welcome to this week's Sports Zone on Salford City Radio. I'm Rob Haxton and I'm here talking all things sports in Salford. Joining the show this week, as ever, we've got Paul Whiteside from Devil in Detail. Looking forward to all the festivities, Paul, of the new year. I certainly am, mate. Yeah, I've got a bit of time off. I've got four days off this year, which is the first time since I was at school, actually. <laughs> I'm going to get a bit of time off. So, uh, so yeah, I'm looking forward to it, mate. I'm looking forward to the sport as well. There's plenty of sport going on at the moment, isn't there? And also all over the world and different things. So, yeah, looking forward to chatting all about it, mate. And I know a man who loves his turkey and he loves pulling crackers as well. We've got James Sweeten and James. Looking forward to talking all things sport. <laughs> I most certainly am, Rob, and talking sport, if pulling crackers was a sport, I'd be the best in the world. <laughs> but I am absolutely delighted this week, guys, because we've got a huge interview, not just in name, but in nature as well. I am delighted to announce that Lucas Big Daddy Brown, the former heavyweight champion of the world, has joined the sport zone this week. I spoke to him, and here's the interview now. And at this I couldn't think of anything better than to do than a lovely Christmas countdown. And we're talking about our five favourite fighters. And I've looked at my five favourites across the globe. You've looked at your five favourites within the British Isles. And we're going to do a little bit of a countdown, a little bit of a Christmas treat for all the Sports Zone fans to enjoy. And Paul, can you tell me who your fifth favourite is at the moment in the British Isles? Um, quite a lot of my favourites have retired, but uh, but no, the active ones. I think um, we we mentioned it, didn't we? Uh, I don't think it was last week or, or this week. Ricky Burns has come back um, after two years out of the ring. I think he's got to be one of my favourites of all time, to be honest with you. And particularly a British fighter, I think he's had a tremendous career. What over fifty fights now? I think you know three weight world champion, um, terrific fighter. Uh, very very grounded bloke as well a very likeable guy and uh, yeah he's he's one of my favourites is Ricky Burns I'm glad to see him back and he's a similar age to me as well so if he can do it um, I think anybody can so yeah yeah, uh, he's one of mine I mean ironically Paul I wrote down Ricky Burns as my number five Uh, (laughs) he's somebody who I've always been a huge fan of and if there's anything I could criticise him for, and I've struggled to forgive him for, it's the fact that he actually agreed to fight Anthony Crawler because that put me in a horrible situation that night at Manchester United because it's one of those fights where you don't want to see either man lose. No, and it was a terrific fight as well. And I remember watching the build-up to that fight and um, there was no animosity whatsoever between the two fighters. They're both absolutely terrific characters, terrific gentlemen. Uh, even at the weigh-in, they, they were they were shaking hands, and obviously, yeah, when they get down to business, and you know, it's time to go to work on, under the lights. They, they did do, but you know, the the two blokes, you you can only admire. I mean, Anthony would have been in my 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 five. Obviously, he's not active anymore, but another terrific fighter, terrific guy for the sport, and you you, you can only admire people like that. There's a, there's a lot of Wally sometimes in boxing with the trash talking and things like that, but I think Ricky Burns is one of those. He he does it as his job, doesn't he? I think. I remember when he first came on the scene, I think he was working in like a, a sports warehouse or somewhere like that. And he was trading his socks off to, to, to become a pro. And, you know, he, he's, he's done tremendously well. I mean, you look at his record, the people that he's fought. I mean, I remember that draw he got with, um, what was he called now? That Oh, what was his name? Beltram. Raymond Beltram. He drew with him and I think he broke his jaw there early doors in that fight and, and carried on fighting. So, uh, so, yeah, an absolute warrior, you know, Ricky Burns and a terrific fighter. Yeah, great man, and hopefully his career continues because he was back in action on Saturday night on a propellum guard in Sunderland. But Paul, let's move on now to number four. And who have you gone for? Um, number four, number four. I got, I got Callum Smith for me. Number four. Um, I remember when Callum first came on the scene; he was a big favourite of mine, and he still is. Um, he was just blasting people away. 
um, super middleweight. And um, yeah, he, he's had one loss on his record now against a very, very good fighter, hasn't he? So, uh, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm sure Callum's going to come back in 2022. He's come from a, a big family of boxers there, hasn't the Smith brothers in in Liverpool? And uh, yeah, I, I hope he gets back on the, the horse in 2022 and gets uh, challenging back for that world title again. I mean, I think we all do. There's some fantastic matchups for him at light heavyweight. A matchup with Dimitri Bivol seems like a particularly good one. And maybe light heavyweight is the weight class he should have always been at. But for my number four, Paul, I've gone for somebody who'll never lightly compete for world honours, but somebody I adore just the same, and that's Dave Allen. Yeah, another terrific fighter. I mean, I was really, um, really down about it when I found out he'd retired a couple of years ago. And uh, he just seemed to have fell out of love with the sport. I know there was all sorts of stories about him. You know, getting uh, getting tagged in sparring, and he didn't think he he was up to it anymore because he was getting beat up a bit too much. But he seems to have got like a new lease of life now, doesn't he? And uh, you know, that's great to see because he's, he's a fantastic character. You know, over there in South Yorkshire, he can sell an awful lot of tickets, and uh, he, he's a funny guy as well, and he can box as well. So uh, yeah, I, I think Dave Allen's a great character, and uh, and good to see him back in the ring. Most certainly, it's going to be interesting to see where that Craig goes, especially. Now, it seems he's taken it seriously. But, Paul, it's now time for the medal positions. Who's got the bronze? A big favourite of mine over the last few years has been Liam Williams. Um, I think he, the machine, as they call him, uh, over in in Wales, I think he, he's a good fighter. I remember his fight against Mark Efron and, you know, the, the people he's fought since then. He, he's very, very tough. And I know he's got this fight against Chris Eubank. And uh, he's a no-nonsense character. Um, he's, a, he's a guy I really admire. I mean, I, I like the guys, you know, like you Bank who, who talk the talk. But I think um, I think Liam Williams is, is a is a favourite of mine just just for the way he goes about his business and that. And uh, I think that fight against Chris Eubank is going to be absolutely tremendous. It really is. You've got two guys there who don't like each other. That adds a bit of spice to it. And uh, you know, yeah, Liam's probably uh, one of my favourites at the moment. Now moving on to my number three, and I went for the big Aussie Lucas Brown, a tremendous puncher, and that win against Shagiev in Russia. You don't get upsets bigger than that. You don't, no, you don't, not at all. And um, you know, he stood the test of time, really, hasn't he? As I said before, you look back on his record; he, he's fought some terrific fighters, and uh, he keeps going. Now, I think he's he's about forty now, or so isn't he? Early forty, so he's um, he can carry on going. I think he's a, he's a fit man. He's got an awful lot of heart and desire. He's got some big fights coming up, so uh, wish him all the best as well. Seems a very very good character. You know, I've seen him interviewed, and I've seen him on the television and that. So uh, so yeah, he's a, he's a he's a good guy, he's Lucas Brown, and let's hope his career continues as well for as long as he wants it to, to do. Now, Paul, whoever's missed out on the number one position in your table must be absolutely gutted to have not been awarded the position of Paul Whiteside's favourite <laughs> British fighter. But who have you gone for? For second, um, well, I was going to vote this guy number one because he's, he's one of my favourites at the moment who's very, very, very exciting. It's Conor Ben. I think Conor's, um, he's great to watch. He really is. And, uh, I, I sort of you, the hairs stand on the back of your neck when you watch him fight at the moment. He's so explosive and so quick, and the way he's been dismantling people. That that's that's the sort of boxing you want to see. That sort of that Rottweiler he's got in him, you know, that desire and that it's it's almost not. I wouldn't say madness, but he's like a man possessed when he gets in the ring. And that's I think that's how you've got to be. That's how you've got to box if you want to get to that next level. You've got to have that aggression. Um, I wish I could box like that. But um, but no, I'm looking forward to what he can do now in, in, in the future, especially in 2022. He's finished off 2021 tremendously well and uh, 2022 is going to be a big year for him. 
Yeah, he's certainly a ferocious puncher. And who knows what's coming for Conor Ben next year, whether it's David Avenician or Adrian Broner. It's exceptionally exciting times ahead for the Destroyer. Now, my number two, Paul, it's Nico Agra's favourite son. It's somebody who I absolutely adore. He's a five-foot-tall magician, Roman Chocolatito Gonzalez. They don't make fighters like him anymore. They don't. They don't. I, I know you like him. I, I know you, you mention him quite a lot. And, uh, you know, tremendous fighter. And, uh, yeah, it's um, he was going to be your number one. Then. I, I was thinking he was going to be your number one. So, uh, so yeah, you, you've, you've named some belters. And I wish I had done world fighters rather than, than British fighters. It's been difficult because, like I said before, most of my favourite fighters, you know, like some Martin Murray, Darren Barker, Anthony Crawler, you know, they've all, they've all retired. Also, Alex Arthur, there's another one. So uh, they've they've all retired. So uh, so I've I've been struggling a bit really there to come up with uh, five five favourite British fighters. Scott Quigg, there's another one of my favourites. He's retired as well. <laughs> so <laughs> I mean, to answer your question, Paul, my number one was Tyson Fury. And I don't know if you've gone for the same man or if you've gone for somebody completely different. No, I, I'm going to go for uh, for Tyson Fury as well. I think it was a toss up really between him and um, him and I'm going to say Josh Kelly, uh, Josh, Josh, Josh Taylor as well. It's not Josh Kelly, Josh, Josh Taylor. Uh, he's a terrific fighter as well. He's got that massive fight coming up with Jack Cattrall, hasn't he? Uh, but no, I think Tyson Fury. You can't look, look past him at the moment. I'm not the world's biggest sort of heavyweight boxing fan. I do like my middleweights and my lightweights and things like that. But I do like the razzmatazz and the glam of the heavyweight division. And I think Tyson Fury, just for what he's done over the last few years, you know, getting up from being sort of sparked out there to, to show that grit and determination to be able to get off the floor and, uh, you know, you know, box again like he did, and then putting on that terrific performance. So, yeah, I think he's a special fighter, Tyson Fury. And, you know, he's had demons and he's a, he's a funny character, isn't he, at times? A very, very funny man as well. Very, very funny man. Um yeah, what, what a character. And uh, let's hope he's in, involved in some more big fights in 2022. Yeah, there's some big ones coming for him, potentially with Dillian White. But now I'm going to give you a quick fire question, Paul. Favourite international fighter of all time? Of all time? Oh, I was always a big fan of Jorge Linares. You know, when he fought Anthony, I became a big fan of his and I, I followed his career. So he, he, he's one of my favourites. Um, He's probably not like a bit a big name. I think you got to go for someone like Mike Tyson. I mean, I've always been fascinated by Mike Tyson. I remember when he fought, you know, Frank Bruno years ago, and I remember watching that fight on the telly. And I was a big Frank Bruno fan, and it, I was a bit scared for Frank really when he got in with Tyson, uh, in Mike Tyson, because he he was he he was just totally different. He, he just he just looked unbeatable at times. You know, the the sort of the muscles in his neck, the way he used to move, and we used to come in with those hooks. I've never seen anybody fight like that since, really. You know, and have that sort of knockout power. So, I'd probably go with Mike Tyson. I think he, he's he's a, a special fighter, and he's still a bit scary now when you see him, isn't he? So, uh, so yeah, I go with Tyson. Yeah, an incredibly scary man. It's going to be interesting to see if he has any more exhibitions next year because there's certainly some interesting ones out there. Tell you what, Paul, what a great talker Lucas Brown he's been through so much such a storied career and it was great to have him on wasn't it oh certainly yeah I mean like you said before he's, he's not just like a, a, a top boxer or has been a top boxer and, and still is uh, he's also a, a cracking character as well isn't he as you said larger than life character he's, uh, he's been there and He's worn the t-shirt, hasn't he? He's been in some tremendous fights, some tremendous action, you know, real, real character of the sport. And, uh, and yeah, hats off to you for getting that interview, James, and uh, great to have you on the show.
Yeah, fantastic. I mean, just a couple of weeks ago, he got one of the best wins of his career against Fager de Jango out in Australia. He was priced as a six to one underdog by Sky Bets, but he made an absolute mockery of those odds, tore up the script and got the knockout victory himself, showing that there's still a little bit left in the tank for Big Daddy. Yeah, I think there still is. I mean, he's he, he's got that that fighting spirit, hasn't he? He, he never gives up. He really has uh, got that sort of warrior in him, hasn't he? And uh, he showed that in that fight there to come over adversity. And that, sometimes that happens in boxing. You know, you get people who are um, who are rank outsiders, and, and and you know you're going against the odds. But if you've got that heart and that determination. That can take you an awful long way, and Lucas Brown can can, can bang as well, can't he? He's got plenty of power there. So, uh, so yeah, let's hope his career continues for as long as uh, long as he wants. Yeah, and it was a great end to the year for Australian fight fans. But all in all, 2021 has been a great year for the sweet science. Is there any particular fight, Paul, you think stands out as the best of the year? Um. I probably would have had to write that. I don't really, to be honest with you. I, I mean, I've, I've watched a lot of boxing this year and I've, I've enjoyed everything that I've watched with. And I probably couldn't pick out a, a fight for you because there's, there's, there's been that many. But, you know, just recently, it's been it's been great to see Conor Ben, you know, doing so well and, and, and some of the British fighters doing so well. And I'm hoping it's going to continue next year. We're going to see, you know, guys having world title fights. I know we've got the, the Josh Kelly fight, haven't we, coming up? Uh, that got postponed, which would have been great to see that before Christmas. But we'll have to watch that in, uh, in sort of February. I think that is now our end of January. So, yeah, there's, there's, there's always great fights, isn't there? And uh, long may it continue. And as you said before, the sweet science of boxing is is, is one of our favourite sports, isn't it? And, uh, and we love seeing it. So, uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure there'll be some massive fights being made in 2022. I mean, we talk about next year coming up and we've obviously just reviewed the year just gone and some fabulous fights. You mentioned there there's some potential for some big ones. We've got the Josh Taylor fight coming up against Jack Cattrall. That'll be a great fight. We've got Chris Eubank Jr. versus Liam Williams. Amir Khan versus Kel Brook. There's some truly magnificent fights for fans to get their teeth stuck into. But is there any that's not been made yet, Paul, that you personally would like to see? If I gave you a magic wand and said, make one fight, what would you make? I think we'd all like to see the Anthony Joshua sort of Tyson Fury fight. Wouldn't we? We'd all like to see that just to just to be able to see how it goes and, and who gets the bragging rights and things like that. I think that's that's a big one, a big heavyweight clash. But I think the Liam Williams-Chris Eubank fight for me is 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 one of the big ones. It's, it's a weight division that I'm very, very interested in and there's an awful lot of spike between those two guys as well. So that always adds fuel to the fire. So that that is one I'm looking forward to as well. So the ones you mentioned there are all big domestic fights, aren't they? I mean, Kel Brook, Amir Khan, obviously we've spoke about this on the show, haven't we? That fight probably should have happened a number of years ago, but... You know, that, that wasn't to be, and it's happening now. So I think you've just got to make the most of that. And I think I don't think that'll disappoint. I think that'll be another cracking fight. Um, I'm also looking forward to seeing, I mentioned uh, Tyson Fury and Anthony Joshua there, but I'm also looking forward to seeing how their careers are going to pan out, you know, in, uh, in in 2022. Which paths are they going to go down? So who are they going to face? So, uh, you know, is is are we going to see Deontay Wilder back in action, you know, with one of them? Is, is that going to happen? So there's some big heavyweight players there, isn't there? Plus some guys coming through as well, so... So, yeah, it'd be nice to see what see what happens. I'm sure there were some massive fights made. It's interesting because we mentioned a load of fights there. But all the confirmed ones that we talked about, uh, Josh Taylor versus Jack Cattrall, Liam Williams versus Chris Eubank Jr., Amir Khan, Kel Brook, very likely Carissa Shields and Savannah Marshall, all being made by Sky Sports, who I think a lot of us wrote off after Eddie Hearn left them. Do you think there's a chance that the platform can bounce back bigger than ever before? 
I, I, I still think so, yeah. I mean, when you think about it, James, I mean, Sky Sports have an awful lot of subscriptions around the world, particularly in the UK. You know, people are watching an awful lot of football on there, rugby league and cricket and things like that. I mean, I know the Ashes hasn't, hasn't been on there. That's been on BT Sport, I think. But so, so Sky aren't like the only player anymore. You've got BT and... And, and, and places like that as well. But, you know, I think Sky have still got a massive hand to play just for the subscription people they have alone and, um, you know, and the money that's floating around in Sky Sports. So I, I think so as well. There's been new blood coming through. I don't know a lot, a lot about the promoters that are coming through, but, you know, just going off those fights there that have been made, there must be uh, they must be still, you know, pulling power for Sky. So I think it's good. I think in a way it's better that one... One sort of network doesn't have the monopoly. I think it's better that there's there's all sorts of other uh, networks and that, and people can get to to see it. You know, I, I don't agree with all the pay per view things. I think it's a bit expensive when you you're paying for subscriptions. So we'll have to see how that goes. But uh, but no, I think Sky is still a major player in the in the world of sport. Most certainly, it's going to be a very exciting 2022 in the world of boxing. And I think between me and you, Paul, we can't wait to break it all down next year. But there's more than one sport to analyse on the Sports Zone. So coming up next, it's the rugby. I'm going to throw over to Rob to analyse that. Yeah, Paul, obviously, rugby league in uh, 2021, Paul, there's been ups and downs for our team, uh, so for Red Devils. Uh, what has been the highlight for you? Um, Well, there wasn't sort of many, was there, really, <laughs> last season? It was a bit of an up-and-down season for us, wasn't it? We were disappointing in the, in the Challenge Cup, you know, to exit that and up and down in the league. I think towards the end of the season, we start, we started to turn things around and had a good a good finish to the season. So, and I think some of the players that have made the mark, you know, particularly uh, like so Jack Armourad who've come through and, and Sam Luckley, you know, some of these players who aren't the most experienced players at the Super League level have really stamped their authority and, and you know, made their mark there. So, uh, I think they, they, they've been good. I think the recruitment is probably one of the big things for next season. You know, the back end of, of 2021 has been has been a highlight, really. You know, the signing of Brody Croft. I know I've been hearing stories about him at training recently. He looks an absolute star and, and things like that. So, I, I think you've got to look forward to next year now. You know, we've got a new coach and a, a lot of new players as well. So, um, so yeah, I think that's a highlight, really, that our signings for uh, for the 2022 season. So, 2021 were disappointing. It was a, it was a big shock to, to lose Richard Marshall, I think, you know, for him to, to lead the club. I don't think those are supporters were expecting that but now that's happened we've got a new coaching Paul Rowley and you know things are moving forward there's, there's been stuff about the ground and, and where we're going to be playing you know in a couple of years time we're not too sure about that but I think player wise I think our squad is, is looking pretty good I think we're going to have a good season I'm really really excited for it I think the recruitment's been excellent yeah obviously talking about the patch of Richard Marshall uh, Paul you know is that a sign that our club you know, he's looking uh, to go to that next level because he didn't quite achieve uh, what we thought he might. Uh, I think it was always going to be difficult for Richard Marshall coming after uh, the work that Ian Watson did. Um, Ian was there for a, for a good long while at Salford, wasn't he? If you think back, he was there for a, quite a few seasons and one of our longest serving coaches. So it was going to be a difficult job for Richard Marshall coming in and, and, and changing the, the, the team round. And yeah, I think I think in a way I felt a bit sorry for him that he wasn't given that time. And, and these are difficult times as well, Rob, aren't they? You know, with, with what's going on in the world and you know the training and things being behind closed doors and that. So it wasn't easy for him. But but yeah, it was a surprise to me and maybe in a way. In, in, in a way, it is a good thing because we are sort of not happy with the way things have gone. And, you know, in the in the past, we would have just stuck with that and sort of plodded on. And perhaps that's not the right thing to do. Perhaps, you know, we've got to search for perfection. You've got to search for good things. And if someone's not doing good enough in the, in the work, then, then obviously you make changes. So 
I'm not sort of say having a go at Richard Marshall there, but things didn't work out, and obviously the the board and the people in, in charge of the club felt it was time for a change. Yeah, obviously exciting times uh, for the club uh, off the field. You know, with the Salford Devils Foundation and what the great things they're doing in the community. The women's team starting, uh, the di- the disability team starting as well. The reserve team is certainly uh, more of a community feel in the club with all these different teams coming together to represent Salford Red Devils. Yeah, there certainly is. I mean, looking on social media all the time, and, and, and the club's been um, over the last sort of eighteen months. I think we, we've done really well. It's, there's been a lot of good news stories coming out of the club. We've not got like the, the sort of bad stories we had a few years ago under the previous regime. We're hanging over us. We seem to be a lot more positive now, and and that, that's a good thing. And I think you know the proof will be in the pudding this season. We, we've just got to make sure we sell some season tickets and and get people involved. And it's all right having all these things off the pitch but ultimately you need people coming through the turnstiles and, and buying the tickets spending the money and watching the team because otherwise you can't afford to to pay pay the likes of Brody Croft and, and people like that who you're bringing in you know these these quality players so uh, so yeah I'm excited for this season I think you know if you, people have got to um, have got to vote with the feet now and get behind it because you know the people at the charge of the club have, have sort of put the money where their mouth is we've, we've said we've spent loads of money but we've, we've signed some good players there and uh, you know it'd be great to see people down at the AJ Bell and, and, and getting a really good attendance because the fixtures have come out now we've got some some good games to start the season you know we face Toulouse don't we the, the new French side which is going to be really exciting so let's hope we get a massive crowd down there and uh, you know really get behind the side because you know we've got a decent start to the season Cass and Toulouse we get a couple of wins there you know we could really start building momentum so I'm really excited for it and uh, let's hope we can get some uh, friendly announcements soon I'm sure we'll uh, we'll have a friendly programme won't we pre-season games and things like that so uh, so yeah it won't be long once Christmas is out of the way it's only a couple of a matter of weeks before it all kicks off yeah and obviously link up with uh, Ghana uh, which is important, obviously exciting times. So if we're trying to spread the gospel of uh, rugby league and with Wales also, uh, because uh, we've uh, got a few kids who've come up from Wales and hopefully will be in the youth team and the reserve team this season. That's right, and it's like I said before, it's all positive stuff all the time. That the positive light that the club's being mentioned in at the moment, and that that's good to hear. I mean, you know, if people in Ghana and people in Wales and people around the you know the the country and around the world can can sort of. Uh, Buying to the to Salford and, and we can spread the name of the club, but that can only be a good thing. You know, it can only be good for the club to grow. I mean, if you went around the world and asked people about rugby, yeah, people would say Wigan and St. Helens because those are the big names that they've heard of, haven't they? And maybe Leeds nowadays, but you know, Salford is probably not one that people have heard of really since our heyday in like the sort of the seventies, wasn't it? Really, last time we had a, a sort of a heyday. So, so yeah, I think it's good. I think it's good that we, we we're doing these things, like you mentioned before, that the women's team, disability team, and things like that. It's it's good to get out there in the community and get people trusting in the club and, and following the club. So, uh, so yeah, I'm all for that. All the positive news, uh, the better to keep the the club in a good light. Yeah, and also the clubs and the sport is growing as well. Uh, with uh, now being broadcast on Channel 4 this season. That'll be good for the sport, gives it more publicity, and uh, people outside the bubble will hopefully be involved in the, want to get involved in rugby league. Yeah, I think it's terrific for the sport. We've said that for a long time. I mean, not everybody has Sky Sports, do they? And, you know, Channel 4, you're you, you going to get these, these broadcasting rights and the, these matches. I think it's great for the sport that, you know, people are going to be able to watch it. And, you know, it could attract a lot more people to, to take up actually going watching a live game because we, we know our sport of rugby league is a fantastic sport, you know, when it's played at high intensity. Some of the playoff games and, and, and things like that that you watch. 
Absolutely marvellous, aren't they? In the grand finals and, and, and what you, we've seen over the last few years. I mean, you go back to that one that was played at Hull a couple of years ago between uh, Wigan and Saints playing behind closed doors. What a game that was. What a finish that was. I mean, it's sort of fairy tale stuff, isn't it? I mean, look at the million pound game we were involved in. You, you, you know, it's like a film, you know, things like that. You know, it's like an action film. It's absolutely amazing. Some of the entertainment and the drama that we see at Rugby League week in, week out. I mean, people talk about football. Yeah, there's some great games, some great teams. But every now and again, you'll say, oh, it's a boring game that was nil-nil or whatever. You don't really get that in Rugby League, do you? There's always some action or something happening. So, uh, so yeah, I think Channel 4, it'll do a good job for us. It'll be interesting to see who, the, who they're going to have on their team of, of broadcasters and, and, and commentators. Is that you pitching for me and you? Is that you pitching for me and you to get involved in that? <laughs> I'll throw my hat in the ring for Channel Four. I'll, I'll do. I'll do whatever I can. <laughs> well, you say growing the game. Uh, Cornwall of uh, uh, coming to the World Rugby League. Now it's uh, another area of the uh, Great Britain that hopefully want to take up the game and, and draw the crowds in. It's a nice area of the country as well, you know, Cornwall, there's a bit of money down there, isn't there? And they all seem to get better weather than us as well. And I believe they're in the same league as, as uh, our very own Swinton Lions, aren't they? So they're going to get uh, get a trip down there uh, next season, which will, which will be nice for them. And, and that's good. It's, it's an untapped area for, for rugby league, really. I mean, there's a bit of football down there, isn't there? They've got a couple of teams in Devon, haven't they, and things like that. But it's an untapped area for rugby league anyway. And if we can spread it down there, then, 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 then why not? I think um, you've got to do that. You've got to look outside the... The, the sort of M62 corridor, haven't you? have got to try things. If, if people don't want to go to it or they don't turn up, then you try elsewhere, don't you? But I think you've got to be brave and you've got to be, you know, have a bit of initiative, haven't you? Sometimes, and uh, I think that's a good test down there. And uh, you know, if if they can put a good show on and you know play at a decent stadium, get a bit of entertainment down there, people are going to go and check it out, aren't they? And, and, and probably enjoy it. You know, it's a family sport rugby league nowadays, and uh, I'm sure they'll put a good show on down there, and it'll be a success. Obviously, looking into the Super League for 2022, uh, which teams are going to stand out for you for this season, you think? Um, I don't think you can look much past St. Helens, can you? Very, very strong side, St. Helens last season. I know they've not signed you know, vast amounts of players for 2022, but they've already got a terrific squad anyway and they've sprinkled a few signings in there. So I think they're going to be the team to to beat. I think if you finish above St. Helens, you, you'll be doing very well. Um, I know Warrington are expected to do big things, aren't they, under Daryl Powell. They've got a new coach there, made some good signs. So I would say... Warrington St. Helens are going to be good. You know, Leeds will be expected to do a bit more, I think, as well. I also think Salford are going to do okay. I think Salford will be all right. Um, who else am I thinking of now? I think Wigan possibly will, will, will be strong. I mean, a lot of people have said they've not recruited very well and they're going to struggle, but Wigan are always tough to beat. They've always got a solid defence and, you know, we've not finished above Wigan many times over the last sort of 40 years, so it'd be nice for that to happen. But, no, I don't think you can look much past St. Helens. I mean, Huddersfield they'd be expected to do better, won't they, under Ian Watson? They've, they've signed, you know, T.O. Farge has gone in there and one or two others as well. Two Lola here from, from Salford. And just thinking back to Leeds, they've signed um, Aidan Caesar and, and Blake Austin, haven't they? So they've got two two big names in, in their side there. Uh, Luke Gale's gone to Hull to replace Mark's need so there's been like a, a big roundabout of players hasn't there uh, sort of going from, from club to club so I think it'd be a bit unpredictable Rob but I would say Saints would be the side to beat Yeah I think it'd be exciting obviously these teams have invested in some quality players Paul and um, all you want as fans is exciting games week in week out and competitive games and I'm sure uh, you know with the players that have, have decided to play in 2022 will be wanted to put on a show for everyone uh, to enjoy that's right yeah and I think 
I'm a bit unjust in not mentioning Carlin. I think Carlin's are going to do well again. I thought they did terrific last season and they've got a very good coach in Steve McNamara. got some terrific young French players that are going to be another year older, another pre-season behind them. So, uh, yeah, I think Catalans will be good again. I think Toulouse will be very tough to beat as well. I know it's their first season in Super League, but uh, they're going to be a tough side to beat you know, in, in, the, in, in France. So uh, that's, that's going to be another terrific match, isn't it, when Toulouse play Catalans, another... Sort of first for rugby league, a French sort of derby, if you like. That's going to be uh, fantastic to watch as well. Yeah, that's what it's all about, I suppose. You know, expanding the game. Uh, Catalan got to the grand final last year, which which was pretty special. Obviously, you'd have thought of that ten years ago when they started. Well, that's right, and and I think they've done tremendously well, haven't they? In the, the time that they've been going, they won the Challenge Cup a few years ago as well, didn't they? They've, they've been pretty solid over the last few years, getting to the playoffs, as you said last year, the grand final, and they'll be looking to kick on now. And you look at their attendances; they, they more or less get a full house every week, don't they? In in in, in Perpignan, so uh, they're, they're doing really really well. And if Toulouse can sort of you know that can rub off on Toulouse, and they they can sort of spread the the gospel over there as well. And you know that's a big city to lose in a big industrial city in France, and they can get behind and I'm sure they'll get terrific crowds as well. And that's on, that can only be good for the sport, Robert. Really, can and a strong game in France is going to get a strong international team in France as well, and that's what we're we're after, aren't we? You know, strong international teams. We've got the World Cup coming up, hopefully at the end of 2022 as well. That's something else we've got to look forward to. Is rugby league at a crossroads, Paul? Obviously, with Toulouse and Catalan now at uh, the, in the Super League, got uh, Cornwall. Uh, starting this season, can you see other areas of the country, uh, you know, joining the rugby league family? I hope so. I think that's up to them, isn't it? And the people they've got involved in the, those clubs and in those communities, uh, I'd like to to see that. We've we, we've we've said over the years, it's it's sort of a northern sport, isn't it? But the, the M62 corridor, if you like, and. You know, I'd like to see a strong team in Cumbria, but I'm not one of these people who thinks you can just parachute clubs in. I think those clubs have got to earn the right and earn the right to play and, and build from the bottom. Um, I don't think you should just dump a, a Cumbrian team in Super League. I think it's up to them to gain promotion and, and do things the right way. So I'd like to see that because an awful lot of good players come from that neck of the woods. But like I said, there's an awful lot of teams from from like the local area around here who, who've sort of been lost uh, you know, likes of Oldham, Rochdale, Swinton, who not say lost, but they they've, they've been in the doldrums and down in the sort of lower leagues for a while now. So I'd like to see see resurgences in those sort of places. But there's there's plenty of scope, isn't there, for teams all over the place? There really is. You can name sort of cities around the country. I know York are doing very well, aren't they? Or they have done over the last few years. It'd be nice to see them, you know, challenging at the at the top of the Division One and, and get them into Super League because that's that's an area of Yorkshire that's a bit out on a limb, really, isn't it? So uh, there's a lot of people up there isn't there as well so uh, so yeah I, I'd welcome any team in, with open arms to play rugby league it doesn't really matter where they're from as long as they've got the backing and the infrastructure there I think it's uh, terrific yeah and obviously Salford doing the part uh, investing in the community season ticket sales are going well which is good uh, there was concern earlier in the sort of earlier in pre-season there wasn't going to shift many but the wheels have started to click since uh, the announcement of Paul Rowley and and some star players coming in as well so uh, seems to have excited the Salford faithful uh, to get behind the team yeah certainly I renewed mine and I've got my mum and dad one for Christmas so there's another three sorted uh, recently so uh so yeah, I just hope we can go to the matches. Hopefully, with all what's going on in the in the world at the moment, with bits and bobs with the pandemic and that, I just hope everything's sorted. I'm, I'm pretty sure it will be. So, uh, so yeah, I think it'll be great. I think it'll be a great season. As you said before, there's going to be some crap, fantastic matches. 
some big signings. We've not spoke about all the signings really, have we? But we've made some, you know, some good signings, some good solid signings. I think on top of the players that we already had there, we already had the nucleus of a, of a good side. So we've, we've you know, oh, we've lost a few players, haven't we? We've left us, uh, you know, two lawyers, a, a, a big miss, Christine, and one or two others have gone as well. So, but I think we've, we, I think we've recruited really well. I think the balance of the side is good, and uh, you know, if we can steer clear of uh, major injuries, I, th- I think we've got a real good chance of pushing for the playoffs. Yeah, talking about our sort of incomings, uh, Ryan Braley, uh, Salford lad from from Lee, uh, he'll come in at fullback, can kick goals as well, very creative. One of the top um, sort of try scorers for all Lee last season, so he'll certainly add a lot of quality to the back row, uh, back line. Sorry, uh, and you're kind of hoping that he can find his way over the line for Salford too. Hey, Morgan Esgray might have an argument with you there, saying <laughs> yeah. that Ryan Braley's going to go in at fullback. He's well, that's what you want though, Rob. You you want competition for places don't you you've got Morgan Estray and Ryan Braille there both vying for that number one spot Ryan Braille can also play in the halves as well very very useful player and he's he's a very very good support player as well is Ryan Braille I think he scored quite a few tries last season for in a struggling league team in the Super League so uh, so that'd be good to see him go and obviously as you said before he was a Salford supporter as a boy so he's going to have that affinity to the club and that should give him that extra sort of 10% as well you know of um, you know wanting to do well so uh, yeah I think I think Ryan's been been a good signing for us, an astute signing. I think he's a, he's a clever player, and it's not probably worked out for him at Super League level. He spent a bit of time at Huddersfield, but you know, Salford could be his uh, his sort of uh, second coming, if you like. Yeah, some player that I think might impress, given the chance. D Dion Cross. Uh, he's come from Widnes, a, a speedy winger, knows where the line is. Uh, won their supporters' player of the year, not last year, the year before. So he's certainly made an impression down at Widnes. Yeah, certainly to say, Ellen's lad, isn't he? And uh, you know, comes from good stock down there. And as you said, Mary, he scored a lot of tries for for Witness. I know it's not at Super League level, but we've seen an awful lot of players over the last decade or so come up from the Championship and and, and League One as well. You know, in the lower leagues and and really perform at, at Super League level. So uh, you know, it's not that long ago that Tommy Makinson was playing at Rochdale Arnett. I think he was on Dual Reg. I remember seeing him in a match there, and you know, he spent a bit of time there and went back to St. Helens and look at him now. You know, international player. So. Yeah, you've got to give lads a chance, and um, obviously Salford have seen something in Dion, and uh, yeah, good luck to him. He's gonna he's gonna be tough for him because we've got you know quite a bit of cover in the in on the on the wings, haven't we? But uh, I'm sure, given the half a chance, he'll be busting the gut to get inside. Yeah, Paul Rowley took over uh, for Salford Red Devils this season as the head coach. Uh, what do you make of that uh, appointment? Obviously, experienced coach Toronto, uh, Lee Centurions, good player as well in his time, so he'll bring a lot to the uh, club. Yeah, he's an international player, Paul Rowley, wasn't he? Really good hooker and I always felt he had something about him, particularly when he played for Lee. You know, he got sent off a couple of times against Salford. He was always quite a quite a niggly player, wasn't he? He had plenty of fire in his belly and I think he, he brings that to his, his coaching. You know, uh, I thought when he coached Lee quite a few years ago now when he was at Lee and they played um, a good expansive, you know, sort of a style of rugby league alright yeah they were a bit close to the knuckle as well with their aggression but you need a bit of that sometimes and I think he, he brought that in at Toronto don't forget he came in at Salford in the 2019 season to assist Ian Watson as a coaching consultant he's been he's been around hasn't he since then he's been in the background he's been helping out with the uh, with the youth set up at Salford so he's not new to the situation he's he's been around he knows the furniture he knows that he knows the club and he knows what the club wants so uh, I think it was a good appointment you know, in, in sport, sometimes you need that continuity. And uh, with him being around, he, he knows what Paul King and the people at the top of the club want, what the supporters want. So uh, but I think Paul's a passionate man. 
and um, I think he'll do a good job. I think he's one of those guys that you know demands, you know, effort and, and demands your uh, your sort of courage and you 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 putting everything in. Uh, I don't think he's going to suffer fools. I think he'll be on you if you're not giving it your, your all. So that's what you want somebody who's going to uh, make sure the players are putting it in every week. Is it a good sign that he's a, a coach that's been a coach for a while? Because looking back at kind of Salford's uh, tactics when when uh, hiring coaches, are usually assistants who want to step up to become the head coach. Paul Rowley has been a head coach uh, for a while at different clubs. So does that does that show a change of mentality? Um, I thought it was strange how Paul Rowley didn't get the job when Ian Watson left. Um, I know we went and, and got Richard Marshall, didn't we? But whether Paul Rowley didn't want it then or he didn't apply for it, whether his circumstances have changed, I'm not too sure. But um, I, I think it's a good appointment. I really do. Like you said there, yeah, we have gone for people who've, who've been number twos and things like that. It'd be great. I mean, you'd never, get, you'd never find this information out, but it would be lovely if you could actually see the list of people who applied for the job. I think it'd be really interesting to see who, who did apply, but uh, we're never going to know that, are we? But no, I think, I think Paul's at... Like I said before, he's a passionate man. He's he's brought Kurt Haggerty in with him as well, hasn't he? He's he's number two. Uh, We've still got Danny R working with him as well. So there's a good spine of people there at the club, you know, and uh, and the rest of the guys there. I think I think it's a good appointment. You've you've got to give him a chance now and uh, and and put your faith in which the club have, and I, I think he'll deliver. That was an interesting thing. Kurt Haggerty, Lee head coach, drops down to an assistant coach at Salford. I mean, what's what's why do you think his mentality is there? Why why take an assistant coach at a Super League club? Well, he needs a job for a start, doesn't he? I mean, you look at Lee, they brought Adrian Lamin as, as coach, didn't they? Um, which is a big a big sort of appointment for them. And I would presume Adrian Lamb would bring his own people in, wouldn't he bring his own backroom staff in? So perhaps he didn't have a place for Kurt Agatha there. And, you know, Kurt Agatha's probably got a family and, you know, needs needs the work, doesn't he? And, and he's ambitious. And, you know, Salford's a Super League club and there's not, there's only 12 Super League clubs. And if you can get a job, whether it be an assistant or a head coach, you're going to take it. And he's only young as well. Um, he's, he's only just finished his playing career, hasn't he? So he had that bit of grounding last season as sort of a caretaker at Lee. And now he can continue his apprenticeship and continue his learning as a number two. To a very experienced Paul Rowley so I think that can help Kurt Haggerty going forward and who knows when Paul Rowley finishes at Salford Kurt Haggerty could be our next coach you, you don't know do you he's going to take it because any experience you can take you're going to soak up like a sponge aren't you so uh, I think Kurt you know I've only heard him talk a few times and he seems a good guy seems a knowledgeable guy I think he's done quite a bit of coaching in the amateur scene as well so uh, so yeah he knows his stuff so I think he'll be a good addition to the Salford family yeah, let's talk about our other club, Swinton Lions. Uh, obviously relegated last season, but looking to bounce back. Yeah, certainly. And we spoke about this a few times on the sport, haven't we? You know, they, they're going to be one of the big fishes, I think, in uh, in League One. Obviously, in, in the Championship, has been tough. You've got, I mean, you had Toulouse in there and Featherstone, who were like Super League clubs in, in waiting, really, wasn't they? Like so Bradford, York, uh, Halifax. There's some massive sides in there, you know, with, with very big budgets to spend. And Swinton were always sort of backs against the wall, but now they've dropped back down. You can have some uh, some some derby matches there, aren't they? Especially with the Rochdale Hornets, there's a bit of spice in that one, isn't there? So, uh, so yeah, and they've got some they've got quite a bit of travelling to do as well, haven't they? Some you know like of Cornwall and, and, and teams like that, but they're going to be one of the favourites, I think. Swinton this this time they've recruited pretty well as well. They've got quite a strong squad. I know they had their launch uh, launch event the other day, and it was very well attended. And there's a bit of excitement there in the town as well. So uh, I'm sure they'll be pushing for promotion. Yeah, got some good players as well in the squad. Jack Hansen, Will Hope, uh, Lewis Hatton, Rodri Lloyd. You know, there's quality in that in that team and that squad. Matty Wilkerson, ex-Salford uh, sort of player. And, you know, I look at Swin and I think they could bounce straight back. 
Yeah, I think Matty Wilkins is a good signing. Yeah, Matty Wilkins was at Solver, wasn't he? And spent quite a few years uh, playing at Oldham and, and playing very well for Oldham. He's experienced now. He'd be a good signing for them. Will Hope, another ex-Solver player there. He's been at Swinton for a while now. Rodri Lloyd, he's a player who always impresses me. He's another guy that's uh, that's probably played an awful lot of games now for Swinton. So, uh, so yeah, they've got the spine of a decent team there. They've added to it as well. Uh, they've got a good coach in Alan Coleman, haven't they? So, um, so yeah, I think it's all systems go for Swinton this time. Now they've got to make Haywood Road that fortress, haven't they? And I'm sure they will do. They, they're going to be, they're going to be one of the sides, aren't they, to, to watch? Really, I know Rochdale Hornets have, have continued to, uh, not would say splash the cash, but they've they've continued to sign players, and they've got a lot of ambitions there with uh, our friend Andy Mazes at Rochdale now, isn't he? And uh, they, they, they're doing well, but that that rivalry is going to be good. So um, you've got Oldham in there as well. It's going to be, you know, a terrific league that 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 the League One. I think same as the Championship. That's going to be a fantastic race to see and get promoted to Super League. Really can't wait to see how it all pans out, Rob. Yeah, lots and lots to talk about on the Sports Zone. That's all the uh, the Rugby League chat, James. I just want to, I want to ask a couple of questions about the old UFC this this year. Yeah, yeah, go for it, Rob. I mean, I'm more than happy to answer any questions on the UFC. I mean, it's been a fantastic year, and I'm more than happy to break it down with you. Cool. So give me the best UFC fight of 2021. The best UFC fight of 2021. It's difficult to say, isn't it? I mean, I suppose the most exciting, off the top of my head, Dustin Poirier and Conor McGregor. Mm-hmm. I mean, that rematch, uh, the, well, I suppose the third fight of their trilogy, utterly incredible. McGregor and Poirier, the rivalry running so deep. Of course, in the second fight, they seemingly made up a little bit. Uh, McGregor promised to give a sizable donation to Dustin Poirier's challenge, the fight for Lafayette, which helps underprivileged children in that area. But Connor allegedly never gave that money. So, of course, that uh, created a lot of controversy, a huge debate, and uh, fueled the fire for the trilogy fight. Ultimately, Poirier won again. Conor McGregor very briefly looking back to his best, but ultimately Dustin Poirier's power shine through when it was a massive moment. Yeah, and obviously Poirier and McGregor, two big hitters in the world of UFC. Um, can you see them carrying that on in 2022? It's difficult, of course, isn't it? I mean, Poirier lost his world title shot that week, and I suppose it's difficult to see where he goes from here. He had the chance to solidify his legacy and become the best fighter in the history, maybe in the history of the lightweight division outside of Khabib. He's that good a fighter, Dustin Poirier, and it's just a shame that he couldn't quite get it over the line. However, I don't think he'll retire. I think he'll be back. And maybe now more than ever, a fourth fight between the two makes sense. And I know that Poirier's already won two, uh, two of those three bouts. However, McGregor broke his leg in that last fight, so there's still that little bit of mystery to it. What would have happened without the injury? So there's every chance that those two men can meet again, Rob. And who's, who do we look forward to in 2022? Who's going to be the next uh, next big hitter in that uh, UFC world? Do you want me to tell you who the next champion of the world will be, Rob? Yes, I do, James. Do you have any guesses, Rob? <sighs> it's going to be Bobby. Is it going to be Bobby? Bobby Knuckles is fighting for a world title oh. in February. And I'm more than confident he can turn it around. Yes, he lost his last fight to Israel Adesanya, but he was in a bad place mentally. I think he can adapt a better game plan this time around. And I'd love to see him become champion of the world. Where he's a tremendous fighter, an unbelievable fight IQ, and a good man at the same time. And ultimately, it rewards me to see him do well, because I know how much it means to you. Oh, It feels like I win it, James, if Bobby Knuckles comes in. We're having a party if Bobby wins. That's what the chant will be. Absolutely. An Australian theme party will throw some shrimp on the barbie, <laughs> drown a few pints, and it'll be a fantastic way to, to celebrate 
Well, I suppose I was going to say Valentine's Day there, but I don't think we'd be celebrating. <laughs> that it was just the only holiday I could think of in February. There's, there's lots of love on the sports zone, isn't there, Paul? Oh, yeah, there is. Just talking about barbecues there, it just makes you think about summer, doesn't it? Well, we're, we're sat here in sort of the rainy northwest. It just seems to rain every single day. So, yeah, the sound of barbecues is uh, something to look forward to. I suppose sportsmen can get a bit eccentric in, in the winters. Some Australian, I think, uh, with Joey Lussick and Jackson Hastings, Paul, last season had barbecue in the snow. Yeah, and just talking about Darcy Lussick, I believe he's uh, he's fighting soon, isn't he, James? Can you shed a bit of light on that? I've, I've read something today. Is he fighting... Uh, Somebody Paul Gallen. Australia. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, thought yeah. I've seen that. Yeah, yeah. Mm, good luck to him. Yeah, I mean, interesting one for sure. I'm sure we'll review that next week when uh, when we can. But, yeah, great fight, Paul. And, of course, we're talking all about these rugby players stepping into the room. Paul Gallen, Darcy Lussick and all these other players. Sonny Bill Williams is expected to make a return. And do you think a matchup between Gallen and Sonny Bill Williams, and we talk about all these huge fights in Australia, and Gallen's been involved in some biggies with Lucas Brown and Mark Hunt, but a fight with Sonny Bill Williams, at least in terms of numbers, could top the lot. Yeah, well, it could do. I mean, Sonny Bill Williams is uh, you know, he's quite a worldwide known sporting icon, really, isn't it? It's particularly his time in, in rugby league and in rugby union as well. He had success over there, didn't he, as, uh, as well? So, uh, didn't have so much success when he came over to Toronto in, in, no. in rugby league, but uh, in the Super League, but um, yeah, I, I think that could be, could be a big fight, that. I mean, Darcy Lussick, his career never really t- took off at all, but I thought he never really looked fit and he got found out a bit, really got farmed out to Featherstone on loan and I don't know, I heard that he wasn't really, his heart really wasn't in it. So if he's not, his heart's not in it in boxing, he'll get hurt. So let's hope he's put a bit more effort in than what he did at Salford. Is yeah, I mean, Rob... The kind of, uh, the Ronaldo of rugby league, that profile uh, more than the actual player, Paul. Because like you said, he came to to uh, Toronto uh, and he didn't really quite uh, show up in a, in the English Super League for me. Uh, but people were, you know, climbing the walls, trying to get to him and, and getting watching play. And it, it was kind of a bit of a mystery for me. I remember him coming to the AJ Bell Stadium when he played for Toronto against Salford and mm. he was a, a passenger, really. He, yeah. he didn't really get involved and he looked a shadow of the player that had played for, for you know for the Kiwis for New Zealand. I mean, I've seen him play in, in international games and he was absolutely out of this world. Um, obviously, he's a bit older now. Um, he'd been to rugby union as well, which I don't think, you know, I shouldn't really say this, but I don't think it helps rugby league players when they've got rugby union come back. They always, they always seem to come back, they're not, not as good, but... <laughs> Um, I think he's one of those. I think, yeah, you know, he probably sells tickets just because of his name and he's, you know, people want him on the back of the shirt. It's a bit like sort of Ronaldo at United, but we say that and he's, he's scoring all the goals, isn't it? So we can't really compare that one, can we? But no, I think Sonny Bill Williams would go down as a big disappointment in, in sort of uh, in the European Super League, as, as, you, as you like, over here in, in, in Great Britain. I thought he was... He was pretty poor really and didn't really get going for one reason or another which is disappointing because you want to see the best players don't you come over here when you get signings like it's a bit like Greg Inglis when he went to Warrington you know people thought he was going to be outstanding and he didn't really take off for him and he didn't play many games did he and then he left so uh, it's a shame though because you know those sort of guys they put bombs on seats don't they it's exciting when they, when a player like that comes along I'm going to test you here, James. Rugby league players becoming boxers. Any other sports, sports, sporting men, sportsmen, uh, come from different sports to become boxers? I mean, Paul will remember Curtis Woodhouse making a change a few Curtis years Woodhouse, ago yeah. and had a bit of success. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he's a footballer for... Uh, who did he play for? Sheffield United, Curtis Woodhouse. 
He yeah, I think so. Yeah, he did very well. He, he got to. Did he win the British title or he fought for the British title? Didn't he? He did. He did win the British title. And I think Leon. Yeah. Uh, what? Uh, Leon. Leon McKenzie. Uh, the uh, relative of Duke McKenzie, the freeweight world champion. He, yep. he he was doing quite well as well. He fought for an English title. Yeah, he's another footballer, wasn't he, Leon McKenzie? I think he played at Watford. But yeah, I remember Curtis Woodhouse. Yeah, really, uh, really tough, really tough lad, Curtis Woodhouse. I think he's from sort of Driffield up that sort of way, isn't he, in Yorkshire? And uh, yeah, good lad. And uh, yeah, there's there's not been so many, has there? But they've made the the crossover. But you know, there's there's been some been some good ones. Talking about football, James. Any 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 footballers, present day footballers, could turn the hand at boxing. Present day footballers could turn around at boxing. Mm. I mean, I know he's, he's probably in his fifties now, but yaps damn. Yeah, let's get him involved. I think mm. he'd be fantastic. Vidic would be a real brute. Yeah, uh, of, of a boxer. I mean, he'd, he'd have a real stern jab. You'd <laughs> imagine. <laughs> but I mean, we've been talking about this interesting uh, dynamic between. These boxers who who come from a non-traditional background, your likes of your Paul Gallers and your Jake Pauls, and they're making a massive storm. So I've got a little a little question for you, Rob, quickly. Could you name for me your favourite rugby player and your favourite actual boxer? My favourite boxer would be uh, Tyson Fury. Favourite rugby player would have been Jackson Hastings. So what would invest you more, Tyson Fury versus Anthony Joshua, or Jackson Hastings versus Paul Gallen? Um, I'd have to say Anthony Joshua Tyson Fury because that's the that seems like the, the 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 fight that ends everything really because obviously you two boys talk about boxing every week on the sports zone and uh, it seems like they're both kind of avoiding each other so to get them together would be would stop traffic for me a bit like when Ricky Atten uh, fought I think it was Mutt Floyd Mayweather. Uh, at one point, and and the world stopped then, uh, uh, you know, for a couple of couple of hours because it was like the, the fight that everyone wanted to see. Yeah, I mean, the wheels really stop turning on the world, don't they? And everything stands still mm. as we all sit down, whether we're in front of the TV or in the arena, to enjoy these monumental occasions as these two gladiators go to war. It's still got such an exceptional feel to it. But, Paul, we were just talking then about some professional footballers you could randomly turn over. If I could put you on the spot here, and the same question will get thrown to you as well, Rob. If I could give you the tools as a magic genie, to put together any fight in the world between two professional athletes not involved within the boxing circle. In fact, I'm going to extend this to just celebrities in general. So if you want to throw DiCaprio in there or Dermot O'Leary or even Eamon Holmes in there, feel free. What fight would you make? Is that to me or Rob? It's to both of you. Go on, Paula, you go first. Um, I think... Years ago, we all we all wanted to see um, Liam Gallagher fight Robbie Williams, didn't we? <laughs> <laughs> that, that never seemed to happen, did it? They thought they were going to get in a ring together. I don't. I think that'd be a bit more of a sort of a slapathon. That wouldn't it, if we got something like that. So, uh, so yeah, I don't. I don't know really. To be honest with you, it's, it's a good question. You should have asked me that about an hour before the show, and I could have had a had a good read up on it really. But uh, but yeah, I, I don't know really. <laughs> to, to be honest with you, I'll jump in, James. I'm thinking, obviously. Let's take it back to the, say the eighties, right? These two, these two people would have been at the peak of their powers. Um, they would have been physically fit. Would have looked, uh, you know, a really good action uh, fight between these two. I would go for Bruce Willis v Sylvester Stallone. Twelve rounds. So Esther Stallone, Bruce Willis, both going for it, and it would have been magical. We would have got it on a, could have got it on a film, maybe. Bruce would have probably destroyed a city. Uh, as well, which you watch what he usually does in his his, his films, uh, and it would have been you know a great fight. 
it's so difficult to call that one, isn't it? Because you've got Sylvester Stallone, yeah. Rocky, one of the greatest boxers of all time in his realm. Yeah. But he's coming up against the legendary John McClane. And if you've seen those diehard films, that man does not take a backward step. He's an mm. absolute legend within the field of beating up bad guys. So, Paul, if those two men cross you in a dark alley, which one do you think you'd be more intimidated by? Oh, that's another good question. I think they're both in their own right. They're pretty tough, aren't they? I mean, I won't fancy getting in there with Rocky Balboa. He can, uh, he can go, can't they? they? Might have fights easier. I mean, the, the last film that they did, I mean, he's knocking on a bit now, Sylvester Sloan, but he still looks in tremendous shape. So uh, I think he's a bit older than, than Bruce Willis. So, yeah, yeah, I might be able to text Sylvester Sloan now. <laughs> I can take him, <laughs> him into the later rounds, take him into dark places, but oh, I wouldn't fancy either of them too, really. I think the uh, the big question, James, really, coming out of that, is Die Hard a Christmas film? Unequivocally, Die Hard is a Christmas film. I will not hear any different, Rob. <laughs> Die Hard is one of my favourite festive things. It makes Christmas worthwhile. It's more important than any present under the tree and almost as important as eating pigs in blankets on Christmas morning. And Paul, I can assume you only agree. I can't, I can't not agree with that, James. Can I? You put that so well there. So no, I'll, I'll stick with you. It, is, it has got a Christmas feel to it, hasn't it? There's, there's certain films that are on sort of uh, at the festive time, aren't they? And I think, I think that Die Hard one in the in the snow is is one of those. And I give you that. It's a, it's a good film. That. It's just, it's just, it's just set in winter. It's just wet, set in winter. It's nothing to do with Christmas. Rob, James. Rob, 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 Rob. That cri- at, the, at the start of Die Hard, what party at the all at? Are they at an Easter party? party? Are they at a Valentine's Day bash at school disco or at the uh, Christmas do? John McClane saves Christmas and that's the message. Yes. And a minute to go, James. You might have saved the show with that. Um, (laughs) Things looking forward to in 2022. Things I'm looking forward to, hopefully a diehard remake, Rob. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But aside from that, I mean, as Paul said, there's some greats coming up. I mean, the Sky schedule is absolutely fantastic. And for you two guys, I can only assume that a good season for Salford Dead Devils is what you're looking forward to. I'm excited about that, James. I'm sure uh, Paul Rowley and the boys will be fired up, ready for the, the new season, Paul. Yeah, that's right. And let's not forget Swinton Lions as well. Let's hope they have a really good season. They've had a tough season last year, haven't they? Under the, 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 the leadership of Alan Coleman, I think they'll have a good good year as well. So let's hope we can beat them in the Challenge Cup. That'd be nice. Yeah, me exciting. We'll be talking all about it on the Sports Zone on Salford City Radio. Big thanks for joining us on our festive special. We really enjoyed your company over the last months uh, at the uh, the Sports Zone. We're hoping they'll join us again uh, for more Salford Sporting Chat in the weeks and months to come. Merry Christmas, and we'll see you next week for more Salford Sporting Chat. Mm-hmm.